Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Welcome to the Cobracast with the present VP. I'm the host, Ricky, Ricky the Prez Logan. I've got my co-host, Ricky at Dog VP Etridge. Uh, welcome to the show and welcome at Dog. How you going, mate? Mate, been better. I've been better. How, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we uh, just found out that season 2020 is no longer going ahead. Which means we don't get our three games to put me on 200 and you to finally get to that 150. Which, uh, oh, it's, that's what I'm devastated about, man. I couldn't care less if we had a final series or, you know, we finished, didn't win a game for this. I just, we got three games in and then all of a sudden the whole country's back on lockdown. It's going to be three games. I've already yeah. waited. Now, what should have been round five 2019s? They're going to be round three 2021. Yeah, well, hopefully everyone does the right stuff. Now, during this, you know, further, uh, further sort of... It's uh, quite, imp- quite incredible, though, that, you know, the Nothing's Better Than Playing at Home campaign that we started, uh, we released 1st of April. Uh, we're recording this on the 4th of July. So, what's that? Over you know, three months later, and it's still, you know, very applicable and, uh, you know, probably worth resharing because it's, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a shame that it's, just, you know, three months later, we're still... You know, preach, you know, just trying to tell people, you know, stay home. We need to get past this so we can play footy. So, but um, on a bit of a lighter note, mate. So, recording this, you know, Saturday, July 4th. The Bombers are back, baby. Ha <laughs> ha. They're back. They've just knocked off Collingwood last night after um, the umpires tried their best to help them out. I don't know if you watched it, Rifty, mate, but um, it's safe to say, now, it was all over Facebook and Twitter. But how appalling decision it was. Have you seen the dangerous tackle that was paid? No, I haven't seen that one. Right. I, saw, I saw a nice little trelaw fucking double okay. hand so, scoop up. Right the on dangerous the tackle, mate. Collingwood just thought he got a run on. They kicked two or three. And the dangerous... T- if Essendon had been losing or 60 points up, TV would have been turned off and I would have gone. I actually put on Twitter... If that's a free kick, we just need to, need to shut this game down for good because it was just a perfect tackle. He didn't get slung. He didn't hit his head. And it actually almost could have cost us into the game. But then you see that rule to a law, double-handed throw, and the umpire, perfect well, position for it. And they don't mate, call it. That was just, yeah. The, what is a tackle and what isn't a tackle is lost at the moment because yeah. even, you know, I'm a Carlton supporter. I was watching a Carlton St. Kilda game. 
And there was tackles getting made. The bloke's getting swung around in a full 360, fallen to his knees, and then given a handball, and they're going, well, to play on. Mate, what are you going to do to bloody... And if you make a tackle and you wrap the guy's arm and the, the ball gets knocked out of his hands, they go, oh, I was knocked out in the tackle. Well, exactly. He didn't dispose of it. That's the purpose yeah. of a tackle is to dispossess them of the footy and you gain possession. So, and the most incredible thing, right, was that that was then the dangerous tackle. Yet, at the other end of the ground, Collingwood got paid. No, Essendon got paid a free kick for dropping the ball. But the tackle that was laid on, I think, it was on, I think Darcy Moore was one that got tackled. Yeah, blatant holding the ball every day of the week. But what you could actually deem was more dangerous than the one that was given, just the way that how he landed. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the all the media beat up about um, you know dropping the ball and everything like that. But I'm just going to bring up one thing. I don't know if you watched the game and something's been brought to my attention this morning. Which when I as I heard, I was a bit disappointed about. A bit like you should, probably should be saying that uh, a little bit. I wouldn't say political, but PC, you may say, but Brian Taylor, Colin, Jake Stringer, fat. Um, I'm just letting you know, I'm cutting all that out. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm going to leave this part in where I tell you that I'm cutting that out because we're trying to get on Triple M, mate. We're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to expand our brand. And yeah, um, well, so that, we're not having any of that talk on here. <laughs> uh, well, well, all I'll say then is don't body shame people. He's probably working really hard. He's just had a kid. You know, leave the bike alone. Put your head in. Bruce McAvaney, there we go. I'm covering myself here, mate. I'm covering myself. Nah, Bruce McAvaney wouldn't say an unkind word about anyone. But right, what I did love, sorry, hey, sorry, what I did cares, love, though, I know, hold on, hold on. what I did love was actually Wayne Carey actually tried to give him an out. I was like, okay, you've actually probably said the wrong thing here, and you know, I said like a little statement, a little question that could have easily have fixed the situation. Now they doubled down on it. They just went harder. It's just like, uh, but anyway, mate. Vienna. Yeah, who cares? Who cares, mate? Yeah. Can't even beat the Blues. Essendon suck. Go the Blues. That's, that's, how, that's how shit Collingwood are, mate. They can't even beat the team yeah. that lost the Carlton. <laughs> hey, just uh, doing my footy math. Yeah. Essendon beats Collingwood. Collingwood beat Richmond. Well, Drew hey, with Drew. Richmond, you know. Um, so, we'll be in the top eight in no time and uh, playing finals. So, and... Yeah. The other big news that came out during the weekend, well, just yesterday, is the Melbourne clubs are heading up to to New South Wales and Queensland to, to live in some hubs, yeah, footy well, hubs. I, so. I guess that counts the AFL. I guess that it's going to make it a bit hard for the AFL to pay us travelling the world to talk to these clubs, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a bit different not having any footy in Victoria getting played at all. It's... Uh, no, 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 juniors. Jun- juniors don't get the Rona, mate. So. Juniors and... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's going to be a lot cut out for this intro because this is going on for a long bloody time. But uh, where are we off to, mate? Where are we off to? Uh, we're going over to Vienna. I'm going to chat with old mate Pablo from uh, Vienna Glass. What a um, name. What a name. Yeah, it's... Uh, the quite, name, jumper, colours. Jumpers, yeah. It's so, a, so unique. It's a Almost but, uh, as unique as his story, how he got to Vienna. Yeah, mate. He's um, not from there. He's... Not from Australia. Not from Australia. And travelled his way around over to Vienna. Thought it's a lovely place to stay. I'm going to stay here and play some bloody footy. So... Um, so, yeah, enjoy this one with Pablo from the Vienna Glass. 
Uh, welcome to the CobraCast. Today we're joined by one of the founding members of the Vienna Glass, Pablo Caldero. Pretty How are you going, mate? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, thanks for joining us. Uh, we look forward to finding a bit about the Glass and we'll kick it straight off. So when and how were the Vienna Australian Football Club founded? Um, I guess I should start right at the beginning. The, the Galas are a bit of a spin-off from an original Vienna team that started probably close to 12, 13, 14 years ago. Originally, it was the Vienna Dingoes. And it was uh, pretty much uh, expats, Australian expats that got together, had a kick in the park, and then decided to ring up a few other clubs around Europe and have a few different challenge matches. Uh, from then, for some reason, they swapped the name to the Vienna Kangaroos. And then once that generation sort of moved on a little bit and got a little bit mature, married kids, um, they, either the whole club sort of fell away. Um, and there was two members that had played perhaps in the last season of that that rebuilt the Vienna Galas as it is now. Unfortunately, there was about an eight or nine year gap in between. But yeah, we're back, back and running, rebranded. Oh, very nice. So, uh, why did you sort of settle on the glass? Um, was it just sort of going back to bring back that history back to the club? or? Was... Um, yeah, so the glass, um, there was a few reasons for choosing that name. First of all, we didn't really want to go with anything too over, overdone, like a tiger or a lion or, or a bear, uh, even though I'm a Lions fan. Um, we also wanted to have something that was just a little bit more, more friendly and open to, to everybody. So we, we found it that, especially with the pink, white and gray, it's a bit of eye catching and, and, you know, people sort of pay a little bit more attention than if we had maybe more traditional colors or a traditional jumper. Um, and also a little bit, just a call back to the, the tour of, of uh, Ireland and New York that was done back in the day, the, the original Galas that went on tour. I don't know if you know about that. But um, so that was the first time that Australian football toured outside of Australia, to my knowledge. And uh, Bob Skilton and the like, like, the best AFL players went and played against Gaelic teams in Ireland and New York. Oh, okay. and there's actually a documentary about it. So it was a little bit of a, a callback to that as well. Um, and partly the reason is because uh, we've had a lot of help from uh, a Gaelic football team in Vienna, who's a lot more established than we are. So they've, um, they've had scratch matches against us to give us a bit of a run so we could get a bit of run into the legs of our players. They've lent us players when they could. And in general, we're just working closely together. They're all good blokes. So we're trying to help each other out with the events and whatnot. So I thought it was, yeah. A good reason to give it that name. Yeah, so you said that uh, you decided to go with that. Part of the reason is not to go with an overdone name. We've had this conversation a couple of times that you know, we love all the clubs we have on here, but when we get clubs like the Galars and we had the, the Geckos and the Dingoes, it's always nice to have a different, you know, just a name that hasn't been overdone and quite unique. Um, you also mentioned about the pink, white and grey that you have and you said it's sort of eye-catching and that's what caught my eye when I was trying to find a club in Austria. Was that pink, white and grey jumper. Yeah. How did you decide on the actual strip? Just the straightforward red, white and... Uh, red, white and blue. That was a vote. 
that was a vote. Um, so Seb is the other funding member of the club and he really liked that, that jumper. I didn't mind it. It was my second favorite. I wanted to go more for the um, Fremantle style with the with three or four Vs coming down the middle. I, I was trying to tell him that it's a good jersey because you can aim for that triangle when you kick the footy, hand part the footy, it's a good jersey <laughs> to have to aim for the chest. Uh, and I just, uh, just like that look. But look, as soon as, um, as soon as we put uh, into the graphics, the colors and the coordination, uh, the, the St. Kilda style strip looked really good. And yeah, we're all really happy with it. So combines really well. Yeah, I do love it. There's a few jumpers that I've done in this that I've never to get my hands on. And that's one of them. Speaking yeah. of jumpers, uh, you had a come across a video with um, Daniel Merritt. Daniel Merritt? Yeah, we do. Where yeah, you jump? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Um, so he's a really good bloke, by the way. So he was working for the company that we bought the jumpers through, which is called Tribal. Um, and yeah, as soon as I was put in contact with him through someone at my local footy club, I was like, "Is this Daniel Merritt? Oh my god!" <laughs> he had only retired a couple of years ago. So um, obviously, I'm a really big Brisbane fan. So I was happy to talk to him. So he went through all the trouble of, of communicating with us and, and finding the right color pink. You know, he was really good about everything and, and tried to give us the best deal possible for us. Got everything done in time so he could get delivered for our first game. He was fantastic. And uh, I just asked him for a little extra favor at the end when he was actually handing the jumpers over to someone that was traveling to Austria. I asked him to put one on and just give us a little shout out to the club, you know, a little reinforcement before our first game. So yeah, he was, he was fantastic. Yeah. I did come across that. I'm like, that's pretty bloody cool. Um, speaking of tribal rift, I reckon we deserve a sponsorship uh, agreement with them, the amount of clubs that we've had promote them at the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll just uh, talking to uh, Osaka dingoes and they also use tribal for their gear. So they must do a great job. So yeah. um, speaking of before your first game, who was the Goliath's first game against? And how many players did you have for it? So the first game we had in our strip was against the Styrian Down Underdogs, which is the second, um, the second AFL team in, in Austria. So uh, they were founded a little bit. They, they were around the days of the Dingoes and, and, and the Kangaroos of Vienna. Um, and they kept going throughout that whole time. Uh, they're a really good bunch of blokes as well. And they work really hard. They, um, they, ha they have an Australian now, but I think through 90% of their history, they have never had an Australian uh, play for them or coach them. So they really like did it from the ground up and they're still going strong. They're still getting good numbers. Um, and yeah, they've always been there for us as well to give us a bit of a challenge match. They love beating Vienna. So they're more than happy to come over and, and have a game. Yeah, it's one thing I did notice, like, you got the glass and down on the dogs. There's something about Vienna with just really cool names, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're hoping, we're hoping to grow it a little bit more. Like, we have ambitions to have an Austrian comp. We're, we're, we were building to have this year a regional competition with the Budapest Bats um, and the Prague Dragons, the down underdogs and ourselves. So, obviously, we're going to see if that actually gets off the ground this summer or not. Hopefully, it will even if it's a shorter comp. Um, but we were really hoping to be able to get a third football team out of Austria. But yeah, you know, we can, we can help and support, but there has to be something at the, uh, someone at ground level pushing through. It's a lot of work and it's a lot to teach 
a bunch of people that have never seen the sport usually. So we're hoping for the Burgenland boomerang soon. <laughs> Again, another good one. Sick bones. Uh, so how many how many players do you currently have, and and what you said, how hard is it to get players? So we started Seb and I um, started the club, and look, the first couple of training sessions it was four of us, sometimes five, sometimes six, and we had some players sort of come down, a couple of Australians come down and say, this is looking great. I'm really happy you're doing it. Call me when you get 10 or 12, you know? So we had to just sort of push through those moments. By the second year, which was last year, our average training was 12. So, um, and I don't know if you know, we play nine aside in Europe most of the time. Yeah. So 12 is pretty good. It's a team and, and a bench. Um, and we had as many as 18. Um, yeah, we had um, we had a, a player from the GWS girls team come through Europe, and she uh, stayed at my place actually and took a training session for us. And we used that opportunity to just promote the club. I think we had just gotten the jerseys and you know really pushed for everyone to bring their friends down. And we had, I think that day we had 18, 19 boys come to train. So that was probably a high point. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Don't get too down about those numbers because a couple of years ago we had, you know, probably 50 players on our books and we're still lucky to get five blokes turn up to training. So, um, it's, uh, yeah. And you, and we're playing 18 aside and somehow all 22 of them are right to go on the weekend, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, for us, it's a lot about teaching as well. So like you really need them down to come as much as possible for the training, but also for get togethers just so you can watch a bit of footy. And you can explain it to them because it's learning from scratch. You know, a lot of these people never seen the sport before. So that's, that's where, you know, it's, it, it, it can become a bit hard to, to teach someone from literally knowing nothing about the sport. I've got a funny story. Actually, we had one guy, very keen Gabriel's his name. I hope he comes down this year again. Um, he's a rock climber, very fit young guy. And I saw I hadn't seen him in a while and said, you've got to come down to the Galas. We've got a footy club going. You're going to love it. You're going to really enjoy it. And he was like, all right, I'll be there. And he came. He was early and he was on time um, for the training. He was, you know, already stretching when I got there. And he was like, okay, I just have one question. I, I, read, I read everything about the sports. I read all the rules, but I just have one question. Who goes in the scrum? <laughs> I was like, Mine. Oh, <laughs> right. just forget everything you read we're going to start from scratch wrong sport oh. <laughs> how do you teach them though it's one thing we haven't actually really asked many clubs that when they're trying to teach players from scratch like what can you do because obviously in australia it's just sort of um everyone would have seen it at some point in time in their life but yeah. obviously in austria that's not the case. So like, how do you... Well, what you have in Australia is that most of the time when you have someone come, you come, they come into a team of 30 players that know how to play. So they stand at the back of the line, they watch what's going on and they learn very quickly. But what we have is usually at best a 50-50 with players that know what they're doing and players that don't. So it is really tough. It's a lot of stop and starting. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really great at it, to be honest. But we're doing our best and, and we try and split the group into, uh, sorry, the team into little groups and, and always have like a leader there that can explain the reasons why we do things and whatnot. And we just make, make do with what we got, do our best. Yeah. But it's tough. That's one of the toughest things about starting a footy club. I can imagine it would be. So with the training, obviously you said you played nine aside and there's obviously not many, you know, 
Aussie rules grounds floating around in Europe. Whereabouts do you guys train? So our training ground is at a local rugby club and it's sort of like an international sports club. Uh, their primary sport is rugby union, but they got uh, lacrosse, they got um, Gaelic football, like I said before, and then they got like frisbee and a few other things. And they've got volleyball, they've got paddle. It's sort of like a general club. And yeah, we, we reached out to them and told them we were brand new. And for our first year, they did a fantastic price for us to be able to afford the ground. And yeah, they've been very supportive as well. So sort of the, the non-soccer community, if you want to call it that, sort of binds together and supports each other. And that's sort of somewhere where I'm hoping to draw a little bit of more support because rugby can be a little bit more demanding on the body, and especially they have a more professional level. They play a, a, a higher level sport week in, week out. So a few of those players might be looking to retire, but might look to take AFL on just as a, as a hobby sport to, to continue on. So, yeah, we're hoping to be able to work with them in that sense as well. Well, hopefully that all works out for you because you know, imagine that you know, soccer is a fairly big sport in Europe. So every uh, code underneath, every code besides soccer would be beneficial to work together. Now, you said that you're you know, one other team in Austria. So how often do you guys play compared to training? So we train once a week. Um, and we often have like an extra session that might be a social session or, or maybe a fitness session more often than not social though. Um, and then we try to, we try to play like six games a year. So for example, last year we joined cause we were brand new. We joined with, uh, North, uh, North Italy Eagles. So Bruno over there was down with a few numbers. We weren't sure how many numbers we were going to get. We joined, we joined teams and we played a tournament together. So those tournaments usually play six to eight, nine games a day. They're horrible, like, especially if you're a little bit older like myself. <laughs> um, so that, those tournaments, you can just put your hand up around Europe and just, you know, when, whenever they're being organized, you can just say, can we come and, or you're invited. Often we're invited. Um, there, there's plenty of those available, probably two a month around Europe if you want to get to all of them. And then aside from that, we, we just have had challenge games. So I think we had about three or four of those last year. And we were hoping to have six or eight this year and just build in that, in that way. Yeah. We were hoping to have that comp this year. But we'll see how we go. Yeah, so sort of what, what time of year would your, your season usually run? Um, I think normally, as soon as it's warm enough, like we trained right up to December last year, even though it's quite cold. And you would, I would think that in March, people will be already putting their hand up to start training. So you could have a hit out in April, May without a problem to start off with. Yeah. And, and then you'd probably want to wrap up the last game sometime in September. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much in line with a, a normal AFL season. Yeah. Yeah. Except that over there it's summer. <laughs> yeah. So Does it get hot? Uh, yeah, it can, it can get hot. Um, it's always hot around the pill, mate. But, um, <laughs> but I guess you can expect a sunny day in Vienna or in Styria, um, like a nice hot sunny day to get around 32 to 35. 
Yeah, so that can be quite hot. I mean, I'm from Queensland, so no sweat for me, but yeah. That just sounds like perfect drinking weather to me. Oh, well, yeah. it, it is afterwards. <laughs> There's uh, no chance that dog's getting out on the footy field at yeah. over 30 <laughs> degrees, that's for sure. Over 25 to struggle, mate. <laughs> um, so you said it's sort of a, you know, you're rebuilding this club. Um, how hard has it been for you guys to get sponsors and support for the club? Um, so we haven't even dabbled with sponsorship yet. Like we sort of put a little bit of a package together, but we haven't approached anyone. Like there's been a lot of jobs and, uh, to, to do. And we, we sort of concentrated on, on team building and getting like a real club going before we even looked at money. Um, so sponsorship, we haven't even started to tackle yet, to be honest, uh, support, um, we're hoping to get more. There's an organization called Auslink in Austria, which is um, expats, probably usually a little bit older, so we wouldn't be able to get too many players out of that. But we're hoping to get a few supporters. And they came down, you know, 20 or 30 of them came down for the few games last year, which is good to have, you know. It's good for the rugby club as well, have money go through the tuck shop and, and for us as well, you know, just to have a few fans... I'm hoping that someone will put their hand up and become a president. Or even if we get really lucky, someone might feel like umpiring. Because getting umpires is probably the hardest thing to do in Europe. Or decent umpires. <laughs> <laughs> Some could argue it's hard to get decent umpires all around the world. Yeah. So, um, so obviously you're a new club. How has this COVID period affected you guys with building and moving forward how you would have liked to? So I'm actually stuck in Australia at the moment. I usually come home for January to March. Um, and this year I had to stay longer. Uh, so the boys are, are taking care of the club over there. They started training a few weeks ago. They are very frustrated. We already had to cancel a few tours. We were invited to go to Bulgaria and if I'm not mistaken, Estonia. So that, oh, and who, someone was... I forget right now. I think it might have been uh, a Danish team was going to come to play us in Vienna. Um, they had to cancel that. Uh, Bulgaria got pushed back. Estonia got cancelled. So everyone's a little bit frustrated. Just this last week, they started to be allowed to train together. So the boys got out there again. Um, but yeah, it's the land of the unknown, really. We, we're not sure where, where we're going to go with it, how it's going to affect the club. Yeah. Yeah. When are you or when are you hoping to be back over there with the Galas? Um that's a good question. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um I sort of need to be there sooner rather than later. I have a back injury that I'm looking to look after and I'm not sure if I should do that here or there. So I might need to get an operation, get a replacement disc. So I saw a specialist yesterday, I'm seeing another one on Thursday. And then hopefully I'll have some answers and make the decision. It might be the 9th of July. There you go. Oh, um, no, sorry, the 9th of June. The 9th of June that I might be going back to Austria. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, all the best for your back surgery if you do have to have it here or, or even when you do get over there. Best of luck with that. And I'm sure all the boys over there are hoping you'll be able to bring some footies and stuff. Um, do you find it hard to get playing and training gear over there? So I'm from Brisbane um, and I played for Sherwood Magpies um, all my senior footy and, and the later part of, of junior footy. Um, there, there's a 
the whole club has been pretty supportive, specifically Bartz over there, who's all-time member. Uh, make sure he knows what what everyone needs at the club. And when he found out that um, that we were starting a club over in Austria, he's, he actually came over to umpire our first game for us. And he brought over 24 jumpers from Sherwood Footy Club. So that's Collingwood Colours. And then I also played a few games for Maruka Roosters. And the precedent over there, Bushy also sent over another 20 jumpers from, from them. So they... They also got uh, strips down, red and white. So we got lots of training jumpers. We can play against each other, red and white versus black and white. So that's been really good. And they've also donated some footies, but we, we definitely need a couple more footies. I'm trying to give everyone a footy to take home so they can just, you know, handball to themselves while they're watching TV at home. So that's... Yeah, it's very handy to have a club back in... Australia that's done that for you and I'm pretty sure Rifty we might need to search through uh, what we've got for them boys um, <laughs> sorry Marsh I'm not have said that <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah if we can help you out we'll try and get you a footy to take home we'll try um, and get it up to before the 9th of June if we can get into our rooms yeah. actually if I can take this opportunity to tell you what we were really hoping to do and build perhaps not this year but over time um what we want to do is be able to sponsor a player or two to come and spend a summer with us. So we'd be able to put them up somewhere or at one of our houses, obviously. Uh, potentially, they'd be able to get work as well, depending on their visa situation or, or how long they came for. And in exchange, all we'd want is for them to take a few training sessions and play a few games with us. So uh, we've been working on a way to, to try and... Uh, propose that to different clubs that maybe have someone traveling that wants to play a bit of footy overseas. So if there's anyone out there, the thing that the best thing that, that we could use as a club is experience. And if that's as a player, fantastic. And if not, if it's as an umpire or a coach and you want to come and spend a few months in Austria, in Vienna, then, you know, you're more than welcome. We'd accommodate that for you. Right, I'm, I'm sure you won't have uh, any problem getting candidates to put their hand up for that. I think, uh, uh, yeah, there'd be hundreds of Aussies that would love a trip over to Austria to just uh, coach a bit of footy and play a bit of footy. There's actually a university is free in Austria. Um, all you got to do is sign up and you have to speak German, but you can start doing university by doing German courses. So if anyone was really interested in not paying hex in doing a, a degree for absolutely free and um, learning a language to boot, um, they'd be able to come over would be able to sign them up at university, whatever course they wanted, and we'd help them out the first few months with a place to stay. Then we'd definitely help them get a job, and they could do university for free. So I should have paid more attention yeah, to the German start. class at school, eh? I don't, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you're in half of German year seven and half of year eight. My mum always wanted me to, you know, go to uni. So see, Rifty, I'm out of here, mum. I'm off to yeah. uh, Austria and play for the Galars. But um, how's your German now, though? Guten Tag. <laughs> I'm more worried about how your marking skills are, mate. Mate, these mitts. These oh, mitts. Yeah. I've, had, I've had a year off with an Achilles injury, but uh, they're still there. But that's a great thing let that him, you're doing. Let him know how many goals you'd kicked in the first two games. Oh, Come could on. you bring it up? I'd played, what did I play? Quarter, Seven and a, uh, game and a half, and you kicked how game many? Game and a half, and I kicked 13 goals. Oh, <laughs> game wow. and a half. And then my Achilles just went like that. So. Oh. And I couldn't even poll what he wanted three votes for the season. <laughs> but that's no, a great issue, mate. We'll chat once we finish recording about that and 
make sure we stay in contact so when you do get that or well, this COVID period passes, mate, we can make sure that we're uh, advertising that for you. Um, yeah, we'll help uh, help advertise it at um, local unis near us and stuff if you want. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Definitely. a slight connection into there, so it could help us um, and help you. Um, so you mentioned you yeah, have a try and have an extra session a week, sometimes running, sometimes and more often than not social. So, what kind of social events do you guys have over there? Um, so we have uh, one of our, uh, our players bought a pub recently. Oh, um, and so, <laughs> so you can imagine how that goes. So um, we, we get down there to try and support him, have a good time on his pub or Connor's. Uh, really good time there. They look after us. So we meet there. They put on the grand final for us. We're going to see if this year when it's back on, they might put a few more games on for us. Then there's another Australian pub called the Down Under Bar. So Mickey over there was really good. We had our end of year party with him. And uh, yeah, so far from that side of things, um, we've had, we had a fair bit of support. Obviously, we, you know, we have like burger nights, pizza nights. Um, what, what I try and do is uh, have people come over my place and uh, watch a game of footy. So we'll put on a bit of breakfast or, or something to eat, but then we get to watch the real thing and we get to go through it and, and explain why things are done. So that's one of the things that I try and push the most to develop the team. When they're watching it at AFL level and the quick pace and the skills, are they just blown away by you know, what they're trying to emulate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? And often they're like, doesn't that hurt? And I'm like, <laughs> not really, mate. Not if you put yourself right on the right spot. But... Um, but that definitely encourages them a lot and, and the speed of the game and, and the, the athletic endeavor to the whole sport is, is sort of something that opens their eyes. And I guess it might push a few away, but it definitely encourages a few others. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, just a quick question on football in Austria in general. I read that uh, they were going to go to the International Cup back in, 2000 and, back in the early 2010s, but then they decided to push it back until 2014 but never went. Do you know there's any plans moving forward for Austria to have a team represent them at the international club, uh, international championships in Australia? Yeah, so the Austrian team is called the Avalanches and that obviously because um, the Syrian Down Underdogs has been the only club for about 10 years. They're the ones, basically, that, that's the club that represents Austria as well, yeah? Um, from our club, uh, most Australian, or most half of the team, which is Australians, wouldn't be allowed to play for Austria. Um, but we are getting some Austrians that, that do deserve a go in that team. So we're going to be more involved. I imagine that if, if, it got, if, if it didn't work out, it would have been an economic situation. Like, do you know where it was, that championship? Was it in Australia? Uh, it was in Australia. So I think yeah. what I read was back in, I think it was 2011, maybe, they were going to go, but then they decided to hold off until the next one, just purely based on, uh, I think, a better chance of being of not being blown out, maybe. And then yeah. from what I can read, they didn't end up going across in 2014. Or it could have been 2014 and 2017, but yeah. I don't... So 2011, they were still sort of learning the game in Styria. Um, and yeah, so I would imagine that they probably felt not quite ready. And secondly, probably an economic reason. Like it'd be pretty expensive to get out there and to get not only just to pay for the, for the flights and that, but, you know, people have to take a fair bit of time off work and whatnot. So they would have to tear that up pretty well. So, yeah, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, so 
Um, what about grand final day? Do you guys do anything special for grand final day over there? Um, yeah. Uh, so this year we went to O'Connor's and it's around about 4.30 in the morning meetup. So they, they, they opened the doors just for us and um, put on breakfast for us and we watched the game. Uh, at this stage, it's been pretty much just the team. Years pr- prior, before we had a team, actually, it was a little bit more of the Australian community. So it was, you know, I remember one grand final, it was Sydney Hawthorne, I think. Um, there, was, there was about 100 people at a pub, all Australians, all having a good time. So we're hoping to be able to build that up as well. So, you know, all, all those sorts of things that just add, add towards the club, you know. Yeah. Not just players, it's just the whole community around it. So speaking of community, one of the important things that we decided to do as a club is um, start a volleyball team for girls as well, or not exclusively for girls, but with in mind that girls should be able to play a sport in our club as well. There wasn't a lot of interest, unfortunately, to have a, a, a girls AFL team, but uh, a few of the people interested were spoke about volleyball. It's sort of like an easy sport to put together. You don't need too many players. So the Vienna Galas is a... Australian football and volleyball club as well. So, oh, nice. I, did, I did see that in the social media and I'll thank you for bringing that up because I did have that written down in my rough questions and then when I yeah. done the run shit, I sort of skipped over it. So, so uh, great, great work that you've got a, a thing that women can get involved with the club as well. So fantastic. Yeah. And some boys can go down as well, especially for training. Like we sort of left it up to them if they want to be very professional, be, you know, very social about it. But we wanted them to have an option and, and, you know, also wear the colours and be part of the club. So is that, obviously it's majority women, is that partners of the players or just people from within the community that want to be involved in a, a sporting club? Um, so, yeah, none of our partners are currently playing. I think that the original idea was get our partners to, to you know, enjoy the club as well. Uh, but it hasn't turned out that way yet. But volleyball is a very international sport. And I think the Galar was a very good marketing ploy as well. And just Australian Galars just drew a lot of people over to it as well. Uh, I should mention one girl put her hand up and she led the whole effort with, with the volleyball and with the, with the club itself. And she's been doing a lot of the marketing and a lot of the organising with the volleyball club. So, um, you know, we had someone put their hand up there and do, do a lot of hard work as well. That's good. It's always uh, hard to get people to to do the work so it's always nice when someone's willing to do it um we've spoken a couple of times that we've a football netball club and we're actually uh got a lot of partners of our players playing netball and we're sort of a little bit thankful that netball currently isn't going on this year due to the fact that there's what three fifty three or four that are pregnant yeah half our team's up to duff so yeah we'd be they'd be struggling to put a team together so. so it's not always the worst thing in the world when it's not the players partners doing it because you can't blame anybody anybody else besides your actual players for that happening so you can call it a rebuild year yes <laughs> um so you've obviously played a fair bit of footy uh in australia I'm glad and, into that mate yeah yeah so um <laughs> sort of how long have you played your you know not just in Vienna, but back in Australia and, and what sort of posse you play? Yeah, so I arrived from Argentina when I was nine years old. And I remember being a kid over there and watching sort of late night sports news and having this, this segment that was sort of crazy sports around the world and AFL being on. 
and I knew that I was going to Australia that year or the next year. So I was like, wow, I want to play that. So um, I was nine when I arrived in Australia and I think second term of primary school, we had os kick or just nine aside footy. And since that, I put my hand up to play for the local club, Yoronga Devils. And yeah, I played all through my juniors and then two years of state footy with Sherwood Magpies. And um, then I started traveling and unfortunately I found my way back to Australia. So, so yeah, juniors right up in two years of seniors I played. So what, what posi are you usually frequent? Uh, well, I was thrown on the ball a lot. I was pretty fast back in the day and I like to get my hands on it. So I was pretty much a rover. But um, yeah, I started in the back line, in the back pocket, like most people. And then I guess as I got a little bit better, a bit faster, a bit more skillful, it was more a rover resting on the forward line. So um, he's one of my friends, Rifty, just resting in the forward line. Yeah. <laughs> crumbing the ball off me. So, so you just said that you were born in Argentina. You then moved to Brisbane. You then started traveling. How did you end up in Austria to, as your place to live? Yeah, okay. So I thought, so I never thought I would leave footy. Like I, 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 I love playing footy and I never thought I would spend more than a year away from it. So when I first planned to travel, I was 21 or 20. And um, I, I planned to do 11 months. And, and, and the way I timed it, I was meant to be back for like round one. So I would only miss a preseason. That first trip ended up taking three years. So yeah, I just got held up. And one of the places where I got held up was Austria. I was meant to be there for two weeks and I ended up staying for a year. Uh, I have an uncle that lives there that I was visiting and then just made a lot of friends and just loved Europe in general. So um, after that, I came back to Australia, finished uni, and then pretty much as soon as I finished uni, I went back to Europe. And yeah, I thought I'd go for three years or so and it's been 11, I think. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what's your, um, we'll go double parter. What's your biggest highlight playing footy when you played in Australia? And what's been the biggest highlight of footy over in Europe and Austria? Um, wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, well, I, we won the premiership in under 18. So, so last junior game of junior footy in, um, in Australia um, was under 18. So for sure with Magpies, we meet, we, beat Mangarat Vultures. We beat them by three points and I kicked the last goal of our team. So the, the, the six pointer that, that put us into the lead. Um, so that was a pretty good moment. I, I actually don't remember that. I remember kicking the goal, but I don't remember the score, but I get reminded of that sometimes. So that, that was a pretty good moment in junior footy. And then in senior footy, I would say, um, look, I played Sherwood Magpies was, yeah, more than rebuilding. We were getting flogged week in and week out for the first two years of, of state footy. We went, we went up a division when I, turned, when I went into senior footy. Um, but just the, the camaraderie of the club, going, going through tough times and having sort of like the younger blokes being led through by, by the older generation, that just was something that I always held on to and really appreciated and, and won't forget. So more than any moment on the ground itself was more what the club did. So, so with that, the fact that when you were playing for the Magpies, 
there was a big, uh, the older generation teaching the generation, bringing him through. Has that helped you with going to Vienna and trying to teach the game to other people that aren't used to it? Yeah, I guess everything that I've, everyone that spent time teaching me has contributed to me being able to pass that on. I don't know if I'm the best teacher in the world. Um, I, I do my best. I, I do feel like I have more of an old school style and, and can, you know, sort of I'm, I'm teaching with tough love sort of thing. Uh, and that's the way I was taught in, in, in large part as well. It doesn't really happen these days, but I'm sort of on my own in Austria. No one can tell me what to do. So, so <laughs> well, that's it. You can literally, you can literally yeah. just teach him how, like, be like, oh, this is how it's done back home. Yeah, like, like, make him run, make him run 10k to get your slow beer. But now that's how it happens back home yeah. with the coaches. <laughs> you sort of in a bit of a luxury of that. I coached one game against the Dragons, and we had the the Budapest Budapest bats come over and support our team a little bit. So they had about four players, so they could have a run as well, play with us against the Dragons, and. Um, I, I dragged the, the guy that I had a full forward that was from the bats and I, I pulled him over and I was like, mate, you've got to attack the footy. You've got to like go for it as if it's the last thing on earth that you want to touch. And once you get your hands on it, you know, you do nothing but put your foot on it and go in the right direction. And I was just, you know, hammering down on him and he was just sort of catching his breath. And then when he finally, when I finally gave him a second to speak, he was like, it's my first game. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't care less how many games you played. <laughs> so, uh, there's a few good stories like that, you know, it's a bit of fun. All right, let's get to some funny stories. That was the next question. What's the, the funniest thing you've seen by being involved for Vienna? But if you want to give us a couple, mate, we've got the time. Oh, geez. I should have I thought of this beforehand. <laughs> mate, there's, there's a lot, like, there's a... The club has gelled very well socially so it seems that every time we get together a story comes out um any particularly funny stories well actually we had a this is so funny but it's a good story um we had a player from latvia big richo yeah massive bloke real barrel chested really strong um i was teaching him so it's first couple of games and i was teaching him about contesting because i had him at full forward and he was just pushing me out of the way like it was no drama. Like, usually I know how to stand in a particular position so that it's not so easy to push me out of the way. But he was way stronger than me, really easy. So I knew, and he could get his hands on it. I knew as soon as he learned how to kick, he was going to kick a lot of goals for us. And, um, yeah, we were playing against Styria and um, sort of it was his third game, I think, and he just hadn't broken out of his shell yet. And I dragged him out and I said, right, next time the ball is anywhere near you, the ball doesn't have to come to you. If it's in the forward line, it's your ball. No teammate's going to get it for you. It's your responsibility to get it. And you stop at nothing. Nothing gets in your way. As soon as you get it, I want you to take two steps and kick, and, and kick for goal. And whatever happens, happens. I don't mind if you miss 10 goals, but I want that to be the case. And he kicked six goals for the second half, so... That was a really good moment. To, to, and it just lifted the whole team as well to see like a bloke go from not quite getting it to just finding that switch, what he had to do, find his role and just, you know, become so successful and enjoy it so much. That was awesome. It's, uh, it is for us that grow up playing the game. And even though you've, you weren't born in Australia, you've, you've grown up with it. You're pretty much most of your life playing the game. It, it is hard to, to sort of, things that come second nature to us playing the game 
to, to get guys to understand those things. Like you can teach a guy how to mark, you can teach him how to kick, but you know, the attack on the ball and those sorts of things, are, you know, it's kind of second nature to us that we don't. And when, you know, to have a guy that you've had it under your wing, trying to teach him and then finally take that step and, and really shine would have been uh, pretty impressive. Um, yeah, but let's cool. let's throw a couple guys under the bus now and and get some <laughs> get some guys that um, you know some dirt some dirt yeah <laughs> yeah dirt. Let's, all right so at the Galas who would you say is dirt on me mate so you're talking to the wrong bloke well maybe <laughs> you might have to throw yourself under the bus but who who's the ladies man at the club oh Jesus who's the ladies man we're all pretty ordinary I reckon <laughs> well, who, well who likes to think they're the ladies man yeah, I tend to feel that uh, who is the ladies man who likes to think they are the ladies man I completely different spectrum Chris I'm in from Tasmania yeah he, he fancies himself as a bit of a a lady killer doesn't doesn't mind kissing and telling either <laughs> no. you know the stretch sessions always have, when he makes it on time for the stretching sessions you know he it was just a, a, a colourful story for us. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's, They're the type of like, blokes I like. Yeah, you need one of those type of guys at your club at all times, I reckon. He's not very but easy it, on the eye, so I don't know how he does it. But <laughs> <laughs> What about the class clown or the joker? Who's the... Oh, we, we, oh, we have a few of those as well. Wow. Uh, we take it in turns for that one. But i gotta, I got to point out, Austrians aren't always known for their sense of humor or for, for being the, the, the center of, of, of attention when it comes to having a laugh. But um, Max, who's a, another new recruit who, who's uh, become an amazing ruckman and really taken on the sport um, and, and worked really hard to get to where he is, um, you know, he, he, he's paying attention, you know, and, and he picks up certain things and all of a sudden he lands one on you and you're like, Oh, Max, where, where did that come from? mate?" <laughs> We've, um, when's this out? I think this is out after the episode, but there's a bloke from our footy club and we went into recording the episode with, uh, Pip is his name. And we went in not really expecting too much humor. And we spent the half an hour of me, which I have to mute my mic from pissing myself and laughing that hard. And it was, <laughs> Yeah, you have them blokes that all of a sudden just had to know where they start pulling them out and you're sitting there scratching your head going, where'd that come yeah. from? <laughs> so, um, as you said, like, yeah, you guys enjoy having a beer and whatnot. So who's the party animal at the glass? The party animal, again, we, we all put our hand up to have a good party. Um, I'll tell you who the, who the biggest drinker is, is definitely Flo. I, I mean, the, the, man, the man will drink all of us under the table. Like he'll, come, he'll come to watch a footy game with two with two cardinals you know like he's, he's amazing flow so he's another austrian used to play for the berlin crocodiles and then came over his vienna he will, he's, lives in vienna so he's from austria so now he's come back home he's playing for us so we're very happy to have him another one of the early members to join us flow we call him boonie because he just drinks that much <laughs> food i was going to say he sounds like you'd uh, get along well at my establishment um so who's the person that just takes it far too seriously could be me. I was going to say, besides, <laughs> yourself, besides yourself, the, uh, the tough yeah. love. Give, give yeah. him a spray to a bloke playing his first games, probably. Yeah, I do a fair bit of spray and a fair bit of dragging. The dragging is not all my fault. Like, it's just, it's, sometimes it's better to give someone a rest, but also let them know what they've done wrong. It's a lot of teaching as well. So, you can come across as dragging, but, you know, it, it serves two purposes. It's not always a punishment. Yeah. So, yeah. 
it's why I don't agree with this rotation bullshit in the AFL. How can you teach a bloke? How can you drag a bloke when it, he's going to be off the ground in 30 seconds anyway? Yeah, true. Um, yeah. But I don't even know what's wrong with dragging. I mean, like, you did something wrong, you got to get dragged, yeah? Like, what? Uh, I don't understand when um, football footballers became so sensitive. Yeah, no. Yeah, you know, yeah. Blokes shouldn't be dragged to full forwards. That's my opinion. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can't do anything wrong, that's why. <laughs> we don't get to the ball, it's because the kick wasn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we probably don't need to ask this next question because the the next question is who's the two people the club would be lost without? And I think you and uh, Seb would be the, the two the club would be lost without. But is there anyone else that... Yeah, well, we definitely got the ball rolling. But especially last year, we, we had a fair few people put their hand up. Uh, I'll mention a non-player, Trent, very good friend of mine. He's been there for every game. Uh, he's helped us out with everything we needed. If it's barbecue, it's a barbecue. If it's running water, it's running water. Um, so he's really good. And then we got uh, two Kirins, uh, both Sparkies, funnily enough. Uh, one had an injury last year, so he's put his hand up to coach this year. We're really happy about that. He's been really good as well. Like anything we ask for, he's done. Reese, Mitch, all sort of players that, that you know, uh, when we call on them, they're there. And hopefully they'll take bigger roles as, as you know, as the club grows. Then some of the Austrian boys as well. Like I said, Max, Flo. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few more. But we're a small team and there's a lot to be done at the beginning of a club. So we've been pretty good about asking for help and, and getting it. So, yeah. That sounds fantastic. I'm sure, you know, when you, you are playing nine aside, everyone is integral. So I guess... Yeah, you know, if you've got a good core of guys that are all putting up their hand and uh, sharing the load, it makes it a lot easier for you guys to to get things going and, and focus on growing the club more and get more players down. But where can everyone go to follow along with the uh, Vienna Galas and, and find out more about your things you're working on? Okay, so we are on Facebook and on Instagram, um, just at Vienna Galas, Vienna Galas Australian Football Club on, on Facebook. And aside from that, um, you can email us as well. So, um, yeah, if you're ever in, in Vienna or even in Europe and you want to come down for a session or a kick or watch a game or even just, you know, meet the boys and the girls, more than welcome to come. So, yeah, just yeah, get in contact with us. I'm sure, like Bring I said, there'll, to support us. there'll be uh, plenty of people lining up to get a get a trip out of Vienna to come help you guys out when you, you get that program up and running. But is there oh, anything else you want to add, Ed, yeah. though? I just want to thank Pablo for joining us. And, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, being such a young club over there, we'll definitely be sharing your journey with you and you know, watching your socials and promoting all that you do because we, are, we have learnt that it is quite hard to keep a club up and going. So all credit to you for doing that with Vienna. And we'll make sure that uh, the Cobras back in Australia definitely – Making sure whenever whatever strides forward you guys take, we're out there supporting you. Um, other than that, I just want to, yeah, thanks again, mate, for joining us. Um, yeah, once we're able to get into our rooms, which we're hopefully should be in by this recording coming out, we'll you know, try and get a polo shirt or something sent up to you as a bit of a thank right. you for joining us. And if you could just uh, tell me how to jump online to grab one of the glass, buy one of the glass jumpers, because that'd be awesome because their air is sweating yeah we we haven't gotten that far yet we'll have to order a few more but we'll get that done thank you very much for having me boys it was a pleasure
No, no, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we, we look forward to seeing you guys uh, online and, and hope, hopefully you get a couple games at the end of this year and, and you know, get a season going next year. And we'll, we wish you the best of luck. And, like I said, good luck with your, your surgery. Um, and, yeah, good luck with everything. Hope, you, hope it all goes well. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra Cast with the present VP.